Gather round, boys and girls, for story time in the land of Biden. Once upon a time in 1986, Congress passed a law called the Firearm Owners Protection Act. This law made it illegal for the government to create a gun registry. But as time went on, Congress huffed and it puffed and it ignored the whole law. Because it does whatever the hell it wants and now it's trying to blow the whole dang house down. The end. Well, the 117th Congress is kicking off to a great start this year with the introduction of a National Firearms Registry Bill that also would require psych exams and federal licensing for antique firearms. And they would get around the whole Firearm Owners Protection Act, of course, by specifically nullifying the sentence that says a registry is illegal. Now, before I get into the ugly details, I'd like to state two things. First, to whatever YouTube reviewer is watching this video, hello! I hope you're having a good day and that the weather is just perfect. Ahead of whatever decision you make on this video, I'd like to direct you to YouTube's own help article for self-certification and point out that discussions on gun control legislation or the issue of gun control is explicitly stated and allowed under monetization guidelines. Whoever reviewed my last discussion on gun control ignored that and I had to annoy Team YouTube about it on Twitter. Just a heads up. Second, I want to thank USCCA for supporting this channel and supporting gun owners in general. The U.S. Concealed Carry Association was founded to help responsibly armed Americans like you prepare for the before, during, and after of a self-defense incident. Their membership truly has everything you need to gain peace of mind during these turbulent times. Members get life-saving self-defense education, industry-leading training, and self-defense liability insurance. Best of all, it's 100% risk-free with their money-back bulletproof guarantee. To learn more, you can visit my link, usCCA.com slash Liberty Doll. So let's take a look at this piece of hot garbage. H.R. 127 was introduced on January 4th by Representative Sheila Jackson Lee out of Texas, of all places. Though with the huge gun control push going on there, I guess that's not too big of a surprise. A link about everything going on in the Lone Star State will be linked up in the cards. This bill is a whopping 19 pages and is meant to quote, to provide for the licensing of firearm and ammunition possession and the registration of firearms and to prohibit the possession of certain ammunition. Right off the bat, the bill says that if passed, the Attorney General, through the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, shall establish a system for licensing the possession of firearms or ammunition in the United States and for the registration with the Bureau of each firearm present in the United States. Keywords here being each firearm, not each firearm purchased after the passage of this bill. Flat out each firearm, all 434 million of them, according to some recent number crunching by the National Shooting Sports Foundation. That's a lot. 
Said registry is the first order of business in the bill requiring all gun owners to give the ATF the make, model, and serial number of every gun they own, as well as the date of purchase, where it will be stored, and your personal information. This would be required immediately on the date of purchase of any new-to-you guns and within three months of the effective date on anything you bought before it passed. Yes, the government who brought us the wonderful efficiencies of the Obamacare exchanges, the Iowa caucus fiasco, and who routinely misplaces large sums of money is going to have you give an alphabet agency 434 million files of information all at one time and expects it to go well. Kids, that just might be the dumbest idea I've ever heard ever! And, probably the best part, all of this data is going to be put into a database that would be accessible to all members of the general public. And by the best part, I mean the most terrifying part. So this means that all your neighbors, all your friends, and all the local criminals would be able to do a search and know exactly what you own and where you keep it. The Journal News created and published a similar database on its website back in 2012, publishing the name and address of anyone with a gun license in two New York counties based on freedom of information requests. The paper even included an interactive map. They received huge pushback from both gun rights and privacy activists. Then, seeing the attention it got, this guy from Gawker published a list of all the licensed gun owners in New York City under this weird, nonsensical headline that also calls gun owners assholes. I believe it takes one to know one. After the articles and lists were published, there was, of course, a surge in burglaries, and particularly gun thefts, linked back to those same lists. Eventually, the Journal News took down the list, and the president and publisher resigned. And after that, the New York legislature passed a law giving gun owners the option to keep their identities hidden from the public. Now imagine that same scenario, but on a national scale. I'm reminded of times when, speaking to people in Massachusetts who didn't know I was a gun owner, I was told that gun owners should be shunned from society or, even worse, shot with their own weapons. Those were comments I heard many times when I lived there, and I firmly believe that a list like this could potentially put all gun owners in danger. The licensing requirements under this bill are similar to some of the requirements already in place in some states, which is pretty redundant, number one, but number two goes much further down the dystopian rabbit hole. Under this bill, you'd not only have to do your standard training and background check for a license, but you would also have to undergo a psychological evaluation and carry liability insurance. We'll get to those evaluations in a minute, but the insurance? You wouldn't even be able to pick your own carrier. It would be government insurance directly from the Attorney General to the tune of $800 a year. I trust that policy about as far as Biden can throw Kamala. Now, if antique firearms are more your jam, you would still need a license to buy one and get this, an additional license to display it in your home, along with proof that the gun is for display purposes, as well as proof that you have a safe to put it in when it isn't being displayed. 
Current law specifies that anything made in or before 1898 doesn't require any paperwork or license. This also includes replicas that have ammo that isn't readily or conventionally available, but this bill would make it null and void and require you to have a license even if there's no ammo to actually load it with. And finally, we get to the military-style weapons, which is such a loaded term with a definition that changes almost daily and has no basis in reality. This is your big black gun that looks scary and has two of five evil features that has no bearing on how it actually functions. The bill also expands this to include a whole range of pistols and shotguns. To own one of these puppies, you need the regular license, plus a military-style license, and additional training that is specifically certified by the Attorney General and is at least 24 hours in total. Now, on to these psychological evaluations. I've already talked about the problem with requiring psyche valves in a video called New York Wants Psyche Valves to Buy a Gun, which again, I'll link in the cards. The short of it is, even as a licensed mental health therapist, I would not trust this requirement, as we don't know the standards, we don't know who would be doing the evaluations, and frankly, I wouldn't trust the evaluator to be objective and impartial. As much as therapists are ethically required to leave their politics at the door, the reality is that doesn't always happen. This bill does give us a few more details, but they don't make me feel any better. Under this bill, the evaluations would be conducted by psychologists that were hand-picked and approved by the Attorney General. Now let me tell you, the field of psychology is not immune to lobbying, corruption, and kickbacks. In fact, I spent time in grad school helping a professor research how many of the psychologists and psychiatrists that help write the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual were receiving gifts and kickbacks from pharmaceutical companies. Spoiler alert, it was most of them. If the Attorney General is picking these people, then the natural assumption is that the people being picked are people that will forward the agenda. But then, get this, if you're applying for a license, you're not the only one getting evaluated. Your family is too. And not only that, the Attorney General would require the psychologist to interview at least two of your family members, friends or associates, including ex-wives and ex-husbands. That right there would almost guarantee that anyone with a messy divorce could and would lose their rights. And what kind of things could get you denied? Well, your standard hospitalizations, which already makes someone a prohibited person, but even a simple diagnosis of depression, something which affected about 10% of Americans before COVID and is now affecting nearly 30% of Americans, according to a recent study published on the mental health effects of the pandemic. If you manage to jump through all of these hoops, your license could still be suspended or revoked for not keeping up with your fancy government insurance policy. Renewals would also require additional training and additional mental health evals. Now, the bill doesn't flat out say that you need a license to buy ammo, but does say that if you don't have a license and are found with ammo, you'll be fined at least $75,000 and spend a minimum of 15 years in prison. There's also a special penalty for loaning out a gun without permission, so 
Really, this means that you could kiss firearm rentals goodbye. If a gun is loaned, the FFL or owner has to tell the Attorney General what they're loaning, who they're loaning it to, and for how long. That's another 15 years and $75,000 if you don't comply. If you're found to have a license and forgot to renew your special government insurance policy, that would be $50,000, as in 5-0, and 10 years in prison. 10, because that's not an overreaction in the slightest. Nope, not one bit. And finally, the icing on the cake is Section 3, which bans 50 cal or anything bigger, which I don't think is even in popular use because it's probably an NFA item, but nevertheless banned and would ban all magazines over 10 rounds. Of course, none of this applies to the government because they're the ones doing the extortion. There you have it, folks, the big bad of the Biden years, season one. Jackson Lee also introduced it in July of 2019, where it died in committee, but this time around, we're looking at a Democrat majority, and hey, with every penalty on this bill being a minimum of $50,000 a pop, well, they've got to fund their COVID relief and entitlement packages somehow, right? <laughs> Whatever the outcome of this, I am very glad I'm no longer in Massachusetts, but this bill promises to bring the worst gun laws in the country. Laws from Massachusetts, California, and New York to the federal level and then make them about 10 times worse. That's your Second Amendment news for the day. Please like and subscribe, but most importantly, share. If not this video, then at least share the information, call your senators and representatives, the whole shebang. If you want to help support this channel beyond a like and a share, you can check out my partners or merch down in the description, as well as ways to donate directly. Until next time, thanks for tuning in, stay safe, and happy shooting.